0: Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. I've recently been wondering about why I've had such an intense, long standing interest in deep human connections, even in childhood. While many of my peers seem to be focused on sports, or having adventures, or running in popular social circles, I was drawn to the exploration and understanding of intimacy. Why? We've previously explored the three realms in which human connection plays out, the physical, mental, and emotional planes, with the latter including spiritual experiences. In this episode, we'll consider the very special role filled by intimate relationships. In prior episodes, such as the recent Relationship and the Hierarchy of Needs, we took a look at what it is that we humans seek from various kinds of relationships. We saw that we have three broad categories of needs. First is basic needs, such as for health, safety, and sustenance, as well as internal needs for self-worth, self-respect, etc. Then there's psychological needs that are rooted in our being members of a very social species and which address our need for social acceptance and participation and for a sense of belonging, autonomy, and personal power. And third, there's self-fulfillment needs that feed our desire to lead meaningful lives that transcend our purely personal lower-level needs. We also noted that each of those three categories of needs can have physical, mental or cognitive, and emotional and spiritual components. In thinking about the sorts of connections that people form, I conclude that there are just a few different kinds of relationships. Our connections with society, in which we are embedded, and to which we contribute. We can think of these as our community connections. Our various friendships, which run emotionally deeper than our social acquaintances or transactional connections such as business relationships. and our intimate relationships through which we share our lives with those usually few, very special people who are centrally important to us. It's worth exploring each of these three to understand their main benefits. We humans rely on one another to satisfy our wide range of physical needs, such as those for sustenance, food, drink, clothing and housing. We also need to know that we will be treated fairly and receive what we need in exchange for the contributions that we make to supporting others. Because of this mutual care-social arrangement, we are truly interdependent with one another. True independence is effectively not possible for humans, probably not even in earlier and more rudimentary societies. Beyond satisfying physical needs, communities also address the human desire for belonging. For better or for worse, we humans seem to be programmed to seek out membership in groups, and especially in small tribal sorts of groups. That provides the foundation for the in-group, out-group dynamic that seems to appear in so many human interactions. That dynamic promotes a strength in numbers perspective that amounts to a compact between the members of a group to protect one another and their shared interests. There's a strong mental component to this group dynamic of belonging, The members of a group typically share common beliefs, interests, and motivations, and to the extent that others may not share those commonalities, differences can be a basis for misunderstanding and even conflict. Belonging to social groups can thus have a strong downside, but that really doesn't reduce the importance of belonging to communities. Churches are a good example of community connections. They can bring people together to share and thus reinforce common beliefs, as well as to help provide support for group members. Unfortunately, that reinforcement and support seem to rarely extend to outgroup individuals who may well be perceived as different in a negative, rather than simply values-neutral way. Such perceptions have led to much suffering and persecution down the centuries. For that reason, the ongoing decline in Church membership may not be an altogether regrettable thing, despite the resulting fraying of the social fabric. Note that connections with community rarely, if ever, qualify as being part of a person's core relationships. Such connections fill social needs for connection, as well as more transactional needs. The term friendship covers a multitude of different kinds of human connections. We typically don't relate to our friends in a transactional way, though of course we do expect to be treated fairly, kindly, and caringly by our friends, just as they expect the same from us. Friends share mutual caring which can include varying degrees of physical and emotional support for one another. Friends enjoy one another's company. That's fundamental to what friends share. Unlike our acquaintances, with whom we have little emotional connection, we do have at least some amount of emotional investment in our friends. In fact, some kinds of friendship play out largely on the emotional plane. Consider the case of high school BFFs, or best friends forever, who may spend much of their day in each other's company. Friendship gives such friends a relatively safe environment in which to explore life and their emotional reactions to life events. Dear friends of any age enjoy spending time with someone who gets them and who may share much common life experience. That's a rare and precious thing in today's detached and transactional world. Friendships can sometimes become so close that they become part of a person's core connections. In those cases, the friendship reflects caring that has matured into genuine love. Such a friendship may or may not have a sexual or physical component, but it is definitely emotionally intimate. Similarly, such a friendship may not entail frequent or extended interactions, but that does not reduce the felt sense of connection. Lifelong, deep friendships can be among the most precious relationships that we can experience. As yet another category of human connection, intimate relationships are those typically few, deeply emotionally vested connections that constitute one's core relationships. Such connections go beyond friendship in that they entail mutual commitments that reflect a special depth of caring for one another. Intimate relationships may sometimes not be sexual, though usually they are. Even if a sexual dimension is absent, though, intimate relationships reflect a deep and mutual emotional investment by the partners. Within the paradigm of monogamy, committed and contented life partners are examples of those who enjoy a vibrant intimate connection polyamorous anchor partners are another possible example. What such people have in common is that they all fill needs for one another that span the physical, mental, and emotional-spiritual domains. Such relationships are probably necessarily hierarchical in that they reflect a decision by the participants to invest preferentially in one another. The idea of core relationships is inherently hierarchical. Realistically, though, no one has infinite resources or emotional energy to vest in a large number of relationships. They can't all be intimate, in the sense that I'm using the term here. I do believe that it is possible, though, to have more than one intimate core partner, despite such a situation falling outside the bounds of the prevalent monogamy framework. In considering all the preceding kinds of relationships, we haven't yet clearly focused on where sex might fit in. From my perspective, it occupies the center of the relationship panorama, since sex has the potential to enhance all three planes of a relationship physical, mental, and emotional. While not every sexual experience fully engages all three aspects of relating, loving and conscious sex does. Having previously noted that sex is not a necessary part of every intimate relationship, most such relationships do include sex as a source of energy and connection. I know that in my own core relationships, sex provides an eloquent language through which I can convey the depth of love that I feel for my partner. Sex also allows me to be out of my mind and fully present in the moment in an incomparably simple but profound way. This holistic nature of sex probably explains why sexuality and sensuality play such a central role in consciousness-expanding tantric practices. Sex can help us fully become ourselves to our greatest potential. Friendships and our community connections complement one another to provide many of our survival needs. Those relationships surround and extend the value that our few core relationships provide for us. Sex, with its various facets, lies near the heart of our core relationships. This probably explains for me why intimate relationships and their sexual nucleus have long been what I seek in my own deeply connected relationships. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the Two Open Doors private Facebook group for posts and discussion and the Two Open Doors meetup group for events. I also invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting Two Open Doors.